This morning we make our way to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 20, as we hear this call to walk the narrow way. Um, it's a reminder, the, the statement under that, the narrow way, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And that rings um, with a different sense at this moment, because a few moments ago I was looking for all of my sermon notes and realized that they are not anywhere to be found. And um, and so, nonetheless, they're not here, and so that's uh, I'm wrestling this moment with some different anxiety, maybe even than what's normal, and so I do covet your prayers, especially in this time. So, no, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so this morning, we talk about the narrow way. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I think about some saints that have walked and sit in the pews in which you're in. I, I think about a man by the name of... Ray Acre, uh, oh Ray Ray, um, he likes to pick at me, but honestly, I'm just going to be truthful with you, he, he's one of the most faithful servants I've ever known, legit, one of the most faithful servants I've ever known, and when I think about Ray's life, I, I don't think a life of, of easy, I think a life of someone who has just constantly laid down what they probably would want to do and put others first, I think about the fact that he and Miss Marion had to lay their daughter to rest that they would themselves find themselves having to leave their home here on, on the, the riverbank and go to assisted living, and then Brother Ray having to put Miss Marion to rest. And yet, prior to COVID-19, if you were to find Ray where he is, you would find him weekly leading a Bible study of all these other senior adults there, pouring into them, pouring into them the Word of God. I think Ray would say to you today, by his life, the narrow way, it's not easy, but it's what? It's worth it. I think about another lady here that used to occupy these pews, Miss Tara Gufton. I think about Miss Tara and the fact that she, too, had to lay her husband to rest. And then she, too, lost a son to cancer. I think about Miss Tara and the fact that she had to leave her home and found herself in a nursing home where, let's be honest, many of us today are thinking that's one of the places you most want to avoid. And yet, if you go to visit Miss Tara, what you will find is someone who is at peace and at rest, that the Lord is watching over her and that he is just as faithful right now with her as any time in her life ever. I think Miss Tara would say to you that, that, guess what, the narrow way, it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. As we come to Matthew 7 today, I, I want to compel us to follow Ray and, and Tara's example. I want us to follow the example of saints of old. I want us to follow the example of many of you as I see your faces and some of you even who are behind that camera, I think of you. And I want to compel us today to hear Jesus' words and to follow them this narrow path. I think the temptation maybe to be is, is that the reality, sometimes we want to live both paths. We want a, a narrow path maybe at church or at certain seasons of our life, but other seasons we prefer maybe the wider, the broader road, the easier road. The temptation can be even when we come to this text is begin to think that this is speaking the narrow way is about church people and the wide road is about everybody else outside the church building. But I think the context is going to cause us to say, whoa, hold up. But I think there's another way. Instead of trying to straddle both roads or to live one way for a moment and in reality be somewhere else living the wide road outside these walls, I think today's text tells us the narrow way. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Today we're going to hear in the text maybe three important things. First, he says to us specifically there, he says that we are to enter by the narrow way. 
Secondly, we are to beware of false prophets. And then third, we are to ask the Father for help in the midst of a difficult and hard road that we're called to walk. So first he says to us, enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. That's our first big idea today. Enter by the narrow gate. Look what he says, beginning in verse 13 of Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Notice again, he compels us to enter by this narrow gate. Right? It's something, a decision that is being called to be made. He's saying, listen, you need to choose. You need to respond and come to me. As we're going to hear in a moment, right? Jesus himself in John 10, he says that I am the gate. I'm the good shepherd. He said, whoever wants to come in to the Father, you must come in by me. I'm that gate. I'm the door. I'm the path that leads to life. And so we're called to do it. But, but you know, it's not easy, right? I mean, think about it. This morning, you had to make a decision, likely, right? To get up and maybe set an alarm clock for some of you and figure out what you're going to wear and how you're going to feed the kids and you got three of you on Sunday school like we did this morning trying to manage. And, and i got kids I know that are acting up in Sunday school. And I'm trying to keep these over here and pancakes hot. And you're trying to get ready and you're worried about clothes and trying not to get syrup on this or that. I mean, like, it can be crazy. But yet we make those decisions. Why? Because we believe it's worth it. We believe this, this narrow way. It's not easy, but we know and we believe by faith that it's worth it. And so Jesus says to us, and you make again, I, I give that example because we make little decisions moment by moment to enter and walk through the narrow path. Jesus gives us two reasons why we should do that. Look what he says here. There's a four and then there's another four, right? These are his reasoning for why you should walk the narrow gate. And so Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to provide us two comparisons, four different like aspects to each path. And he's going to compare and contrast those just briefly for us. And I think it's important for you today to decide, hey, listen, First and foremost, you need to answer, what path am I on? And then secondly, you need to look to hear Jesus' words and say, God, what path do I want to be on? Look what he says first. Enter by the narrow gate. The first comparison, look what he says here. For the gate is wide. Notice that. The gate is wide and it's the way is easy that leads to destruction. But look what he says about the other one. He says, for the gate here is narrow. So again, we have a wide gate indicating that it's easy to walk through, right? I mean, it's kind of like that forbidden fruit. It's, it's wide, it's spacious. But the other one, he says, listen, it's narrow. It's, it's not easy to walk through this path. But why? Because the call is to come and die. I mean, the call is to surrender yourself. And, and so this wide road is there. But now this other road, he says, that I'm calling you to walk on. He says, I want you to know it is narrow. Why? Because he's been telling anybody that follows me, you're going to suffer. You're going to experience persecution. You're going to face hardships in this life that will want to discourage you and deter you from the narrow path. He says, but I want you to know, guys, that there is a gate that is wide and while it appears easy, just like that forbidden fruit there in Genesis 3, as Adam and Eve take and eat, it looks good to the eye and pleasing. And they, they take and they eat. That path, the wide, the easy, leads to destruction. But not only does he compare, right, again, saying that one gate is wide and, and the other is narrow. And again, we, we recognize the wise the way narrow because where it leads to, isn't it? I mean, the way is narrow because of where this path is leading. It's leading to the Father through the Son. You, just, you were singing words echoing that type of sentiment right here from Matthew 7. 
And the hope is this, is that as you and I one day will enter into the presence of Almighty God, the question is, how do we even begin on that? And it's through the Son. It's by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who now will come to indwell us. And so this way is narrow. Why? Because there's only one way to the Father, and that is by perfection, sinlessness, and none of us qualify. Therefore, we must come through the Son to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit to enter into the presence of Almighty God for eternity. Therefore, the way is narrow. It has to be because we're going to the presence of the, the perfect King. Sinless eternity. So therefore, one way is wide and the other is narrow. But second, look at his other comparison about this. Again, as he compels us, enter by the narrow gate. He says to us, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. Some translations render that broad. Right. It's just spacious. I mean, it's a sense that everybody's on it. Right. I mean, it's just an easier way to follow. Look at the other one, though. It says for the gate is narrow and the way is what? It's hard. Think about this. Think about easy and hard. It's easy for me to be a jerk. Just being default. That's my default course. It's easy to be a jerk. It's it's hard to be kind. It's easy to eat whatever foods in front of you. It's hard to fast. It is easy to hold bitterness and resentment in your heart toward people, but it is hard to forgive. It is easy to worry and doubt and be anxious about everything, but it is hard to trust the Lord in everything. But nonetheless, that is what Jesus is saying for us. The gate is wide and that way is easy and it leads to destruction, he says. But there is another gate that is narrow and that way is hard. And he says, it leads to life. He's not further done comparing these again. Look what else he says here again. So this this one gate, he says it's 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 wide and the way is easy. But notice where it leads to. Where does it lead to church? Destruction. Destruction. Destruction is not just talking about the fact that you will cease to exist as some believe in some annihilationism, right? That they think, well, once life is over, you just go in the ground and you're done. And that's it. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus is saying that you will be plunged into a place called hell. Where, listen to what Revelation 20, how it describes it. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into this lake of fire. That's how it's defined. And sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And listen to what's so terrible about this. And they will be, notice what he says about them, tormented, what? Day and night. And here's the hard part, what? Forever and ever. And then just five verses later, fast forward to verse 15 in Revelation 20. Listen to what he says. This is, this is hard. And if anyone's name was not found written in this book of life, if your name's not written here, listen to where you're, listen to where you're headed. He was thrown into this, what? Lake of fire, the place of torment that is forever and ever. So when you hear Jesus here speaking about that it leads to destruction, you need to understand what he's speaking of. I mean, none of us can begin to even grasp it, can we? Day and night, forever and ever, torment that never ends. Ever. He says, listen, that's the temptation, though. We all want the wide, the easy road in this life. We all are after the best life now. I mean, that's, that's our default heart set course. We want that. And Jesus warns that that road, he says, leads to destruction. He says, but there's another way. And he says, this gate is narrow and the way is hard. And notice where he says it. It leads where? It leads to life. 
There's a way that leads to life today. And I want you to know that that is not in and of yourself. There is a way. Listen, you and I, by default, we are, we are sinners by nature. We have inherited that from Adam and Eve, right? It's been passed on. Romans 5 says from one generation to the next. I think maybe Ms. Catherine or others, I heard that in VBS this week about this. I think it was Romans 5 and 12. Maybe somebody shared. But it talks about how we've inherited that sin nature. It's been passed to us. You're on the default course that leads to destruction. It's wide, it's easy, but there is good news. There's gospel hope this morning that there is a Savior who came. And guess what? In Matthew 4, he's tempted. Hey, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll I'll give you the easy road that leads to all the kingdoms and worship of this world. He says, do you not know that it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. You see that he had these moments where the easy road was coming to him. And, and even at his arrest there, Peter right takes out that sword and he, he cuts off Malchus's ear. And he says to him, Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? You see, the temptation was even Peter thought, let's take the easy, let's fight this out. And yet Jesus says, no, for me, it is the narrow way that is hard It is the narrow way of suffering that leads unto life. So therefore, he now comes to the cross, doesn't he? And even there on the cross, he's dying the narrow way. Why? He's dying the narrow way for all of the wide way livers like you and like me. He's dying for us as if he's lived the broad path that led to destruction. Why? Because he's crucified, taking God's punishment for wide road living. But praise be unto God that they bury him on that Friday and by the power of God on Sunday morning. What happened to Jesus Christ? He was raised from the dead. He was resurrected in that great power and glory and the strength of Almighty God. He was raised up victorious over it. And we begin to see the power of Christ that declares to all of us that there is actually rescue from the wide road today. There's hope today if you're on the wide road here today. If you're living the easy way, if you're satisfying your own flesh today, I want you to know there's hope today. If you feel like you have so much shame, if you feel unworthy today, I want you to know there's one who came and proved the worthiness of you. I'm just noticing, is it not working? Okay. And uh, I just want you to know, listen, there's, there's hope, there's beauty of this wide road up there. I don't know if it'll work or not, but nonetheless, right? It doesn't matter whether it is or isn't. Um, it's the good news, the gospel. That whether the screen works, the technology works, whether you have your notes or not, I want you to know there is a Lamb's book of life that I don't have to fear or worry whether they're going to lose my name. And will it be there when I get there? It was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ, beloved. That thing is sure. All the rest of this stuff, unsure. That's one thing I'm sure of. And that's the most important thing. So Jesus Christ Himself came. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Look what he says here about it, though. Here's the truth. He says that those that are on this wide and wide and easy road that leads to destruction, he says those who enter by it are many. Yet the road that is narrow and leads to life, he says those who find it are few. Let's be honest. Most of the time when we talk about the narrow and the wide road, we almost reverse exactly what Jesus said. We speak of people when they die who have almost without question lived 
the wide and the easy road. And yet somehow when they die, now they're entered into the narrow path that leads to life because they supposedly prayed some prayer at some point in their life, and yet there is no fruit. So we're going to come to it in a minute. It's almost as if, let's be honest, that we take our eraser and begin to scribble out Jesus' words here and we begin to rewrite them. And we say, well, the gate that is wide and easy, it leads actually to life. And many there are that are on it. Most everybody's on it. But the road that leads to hell, we think that's actually the hard and the narrow road and only a few people will find it. That's not the words of our Savior. We need to approach the culture. We need to approach this morning our own souls, assuming and knowing the truth about us that we are separated from a holy God. Amen, sis. I'm with you, girl. I like it. Pre-show, baby. Bring it. I like a little feedback. It's the beauty of the gospel. And there's few. There's few. Come on. Quit, quit assuming everybody you see. Quit assuming they must be good when there's no fruit. Jesus is saying, if you're going to lead to life, they will be on the narrow and hard way. And only a few will find it. I know our hearts want to all dogs lead home to Disney. I, I get it. I want it too. But that's not the words of our Savior. So Jesus compels us first to enter by the narrow gate. Secondly, he says to us, beware of danger on the path. Did it work? Yeah. Cool. Beware of danger on the path. Jesus now shows us, listen, I want you to know that the narrow way is hard. And one of the reasons it's hard is because there is lots of danger on this path. And specifically, he's going to tell us in verses 15 to 20 that there are false prophets. Listen to what he says. Pick up me, verse 15. Beware. That indicates like constantly being vigilant. Like you just can't go to sleep on it. Beware of false... I hear you, sis. Keep amen. And I like it. I like it. Uh, beware of false prophets. Who are prophets? Prophets are God's Old Testament messengers, right? They were the voice speakers. So you, you think specifically as you come into the New Testament, you're thinking to some extent, right? Even though it may look a little bit different than the prophetic work or action there, we know that it speaks of those who are pastors, of those who are teachers, right? So you think about it. As you hear God's Word in here, we constantly tell you, Acts 17.11, the Bereans were of more noble birth than the Thessalonians, for they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was what? True. Are, are you doing that this morning? Uh, now, I, we intentionally use the screen because we want you to see the Word of God. We want your focus to be on God's Word and to hear, okay, is what my pastor teaching true from the Scriptures? Is he twisting it? But, beloved, you need your B-I-B-L-E. You need to be honing in. And listen, that goes to Sunday school. It goes to TV evangelists. It goes to, as you hear podcasts, you need to be Where of false prophets. Why? I think Jesus shows us two reasons why we need to beware. First is because they're hard to identify. Look what he says here. Beware of false prophets who come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. The sheep are using the Old Testament for the imagery of the people of God. I mean, even in John 10, right? Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. He says, of the sheep. The sheep speak of the church, of God's people. And he says, listen, I want you to know they come to you in sheep's clothing. They got the church lingo. They packed the B-I-B-L-E. They're there. They're present. They're among you. But inwardly, inwardly, they are what? Ravenous wolves. It's hard. 
but it's not impossible to, to identify them. I want to show you a little bit from the Word of God here. Look what he says. Let's read verses 16 through 18 of Matthew 7. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So Jesus uses a couple examples. But specifically, hear the statement in verse 16. Brother Todd helped point this out to me as we walked through the text a little bit this week. And I thought it was very insightful. Verse 16 says, you will recognize them what? By their fruits. And he said, well, Brother Blake, listen, that's, that's right back to last week. That we judge actions in mercy aimed at restoration. But to recognize them means we have to make some type of judgment, right? So again, we heard that and we hear Matthew 7, 1, judge not. And if you don't know about that text, I encourage you to go back and hear from the Word of God last week. But obviously we're making some type of judgment. Again, we're judging actions, right? Why? Because what we see on the outside, Jesus says, is sheep. But inwardly, it's wolves. It's just it's concealed. Now, the danger is you go around the church thinking, hey, you did me wrong once, you're a wolf. I heard you misteach on that, you're a wolf. You didn't show kindness, kindness or mercy then, you must be, like, you can begin to, see how that begins to happen, right? You're just begin to judge hearts. You're looking at actions in mercy, judging actions. But again, he says the same thing in verse 20, kind of wrapping the section up. He says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits there in Matthew 7 and 20. But look what he says here, a couple of examples he gives, and I, I want to bring this up, maybe it makes sense. Again, we're called to beware of false prophets. We realize it's hard to do so because they disguise themselves. But it's not impossible. So he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. And notice what he says, the first example. Our grapes gather from thorn bushes. And then he says, every healthy tree uses two different analogies. So I begin to look, right? I, I, I don't know much about any kind of horticulture, any of that stuff. Some of you guys are very gifted. And I apologize, I probably should have reached out this week. So if I'm wrong, you just shout it out. But, but what I looked on the research I found is, is that if you were to plant, right, intending to have grapes, that from the moment you plant that seed until the time you get viable grapes, not just some grapes, but begin to get viable grapes, is roughly about how many years, you think? Three. If you, I looked then also, I was like, I wonder, well, what if we took, I, I love oranges, right? And what if I took and I planted a seed, right, for an orange tree and began to wait until that tree grew up enough to begin to produce viable oranges, Research tells us that it's about 15 years. What's the point? I think Jesus is showing us, listen, oftentimes you can't tell. It's hard. You, need to, it's sometimes, you just got to continue to be patient and vigilant and watchful, right, of what's happening here. Now, this is the part of my notes that I didn't put anything there on the screen, to, like the text to trigger in my mind, and so I'm trying to see this bottom right-hand section of this page over here in my mind right now. Because I had these different things of how we can recognize false prophets. So by the Spirit, God, help me remember. First, the first thing I think we will see, obviously, right, is, is that false prophets, begin as you're watching, sometimes it's hard, right, to tell what's going on there. I think first is, obviously, they begin to teach things that are contrary to the Word, don't they? And that's why we're Acts 17, 11 people. We're constantly searching the Scriptures. But, man, over time, they began to just teach things that are contrary. They began to say things like, all roads lead home, or the road is actually wide that leads to, to heaven, and most everybody's on it. They begin to say, well, how could a loving God ever send anyone to hell, right? Is, is the Bible actually trustworthy and true? That was written. Maybe there's errors and mistakes. They begin just to create doubt in the minds of those that are teaching. Secondly, it's not only that they begin to create doubt or, or that, they also begin to create division. And I don't have time today, but if you look at First Timothy and Second Timothy, those letters, Paul kind of lays out different things you can look to for false prophets. 
And one of the things that happens is they begin to create division. Romans 16 talks about this. Um, it's begin, they begin to create division and, and disunity in the church body, and you start to see it more and more over time. It just can. Again, doesn't mean that they're not capable of making a bad mistake. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying people that are unwilling to repent and continue to do this time and time again where it sets the course. Third, I think that they are in love with the present world. Paul talks about Demas. Um, I want to say it's 2 Timothy 2, but I'm not certain. But um, he talks about Demas in love with the present world. He says he, he left. And, and how do you know that maybe a false prophet's in love with the present world? Well, Peter talks about that, 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it's verses 1 through 3, he begins to give this little uh, example of what these things, these false prophets might look like. And I know, I know verse 2 there talks about the fact they give themselves into their sensual desires, that, that they are ruled by sexual immorality. And at some point, maybe it becomes obvious. Right? It talks about verse 3 that there in 2 Peter 2 that, that they are um, desiring like monetary gain. They're after what can the church give me? What can you give me? You sow this seed and I'll send you my, my special hanky. Right? I'm telling you, I can, I, this mask is just a mask, beloved. Don't fall for that foolish nonsense. It is the power of Christ. Thinking you have to pay for God to do something for you. That's why Christ came. He paid it in full. Verse 1 of Second Peter also warns the fact that they begin to defy authority. They're prideful. So again, these are just some marks of the New Testament begin to show us why. Because sometimes it's just hard to tell. You're just watching it. It looks like they're a sheep, but inwardly they're a wolf. But sometimes it's just difficult to tell that's what's happening. So the text lays that before us. And Jesus is warning here, again, the danger. We must beware of false prophets. You are to be watchful, listening, comparing what you hear to the Word of God. Why? Because they're going to lead you to the road of destruction. Do you see it? They're going to encourage you. Come to the easy way. Satisfy your flesh. Who cares what God's Word says? It's outdated. If that's what feels good to you and right to you, then do it. Giving you honey potion, beloved, to whisper to you, all the while ushering you into hell. I don't want it for you. Do you hear me? I don't want this for you. It's why we labor and strive with all that we can do to preach God's Word faithfully. It is why I believe that so many of our Sunday school teachers are laboring intently hard, even in this season. I know it's difficult, not easy for them, and yet they're laboring hard to continue to bring God's Word to you, whether it's Zoom, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a recording, whatever. Maybe it's just checking in on you in throughout the week. They are laboring. Why? Because they want to compel you to stay on the narrow path that leads to life. What do we know? The narrow way? It's not easy, but what? It's worth it. It's worth it. Thirdly, ask for help from the Father. Beloved, you are on a narrow way that Jesus says is hard. If Jesus says it's hard, you need to expect it to be hard. Right now, I've given you examples of some of the most faithful people here. Their lives have been hard. They've buried children, both of them. I don't know of something that could be harder than that. Yeah, they've done it, and they've remained faithful. They've buried spouses. They found themselves in nursing homes, assisted living. I'm sure that's not what they, in your age right now, sit there and thought one day down the road, that's what I want to walk through. And yet they, they've remained faithful, beloved. They're walking the narrow way, urging us, come forth, brother. Come forth, sister. Don't shrink back. 
And beloved, I know this because I've heard both of them pray. I've seen the urgency of their prayers. I want you to know, you'd say, I wonder what the strength is behind Ray. I wonder what happened in the heart of Miss Terry that would keep them so faithful through such hard seasons. They constantly just kept asking the Father for more help. That's it. The rescue for you, the strength to walk this path is in Christ alone, beloved. Hallelujah, that's good news today. Look what he says, verse 7 of Matthew 7. Ask and you will, and it will be given to you. Seek, he says, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Right? Ask, seek, and knock are all similar ways of saying that we are to passionately pursue the Lord. But asking in request, we're seeking, right? With, with, with our lives, pursuing and intently knocking. Just we're, we're after the kingdom of heaven. And maybe you wonder, Blake, I, I don't know, bro. I, I've tried. Listen to what Jesus says. Four. He reassures us because he knows that you may doubt just like I may doubt. Man, I love God's word. Blessed be his. I can't wait to see his face. Are you with me? Man, I can't wait. All these stinking masks. I just can't wait to see my Savior face to face. I can't wait to see it. This morning we had a seven-year-old in our house. He said, Dad, do we get to go today or do we got to... He's like, Dad, I I don't want to see my friends through a screen. I want to see them face to face. Pray for us. We're trying to have wisdom. We're trying to be as wise as we can and prudent as we can and, and walk as faithfully as we can. We know that day's coming. Pray for us. We have children's ministry, youth ministry, Sunday school. There's lots of ministries we're longing to return to. We're trying to walk in wisdom and humility. Pray for our church. Pray for us. But look at he says, for everyone who asks, receives. This is this hope. You're going to receive. He says, the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be what? It'll be open. I have a young man at my house who does not, uh-oh. I'm jumping ahead, evidently. Okay, that's that's why. All right, let's just jump ahead. That's why, because this is the next one. Anyway, let's go. Verse 9. Hey, listen, you know what? you're not going to be perfect, okay? I've said it before. You're not going to be perfect. When you go to share the gospel, when you're trying to do it in your home, discipleship, it, it, it's, just, it's not going to be perfect. Sunday school teachers, it's not going to be perfect every time. Children, youth workers, it's not going to be perfect every time. Just keep striving with all of your ability to just seek the Word, the Lord through His Word by the power of the Spirit. But look what he says, verse 9 of Matthew 7. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? He says, if you then, that's what he says here, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He says, listen, man, as parents here on earth, right, when your kids ask you for something, You strive to give them what they ask, right? Even though Jesus says that, in fact, our hearts are evil. I've I've got a young man in my household who does not like anything on the left. At your left, yeah. I was going to say, it's always confusing, right? It's that mirror thing, right? It's your left. He is not a fan of fruits and vegetables. But what's on the right? That brother is all day, twice a day. You with me? Ice cream. And so he'll come and be like, Daddy, can I have some ice cream, right? And they'll, they'll just smile, right? Just loving it. I don't know where he's at. He's probably hiding out somewhere anyway. But listen, he's just, man, he just loves it. Now, I'll just tell you as a dad, as I, there's times when I, I say no to him. Why? Because I know it's not best for him. I'm like, bro, listen, you've got to try to eat something healthy. But I want you to know that in my heart as a father, I want to give him the ice cream. I share that why, because some of you have asked or seeked or knocked 
and the door hasn't opened, you haven't received, and you're wondering, what's wrong with God? And I think it's, even though it's not a perfect, right, every analogy breaks down when you try to take it to who a holy God is, because, again, our hearts are evil, but the Father desires to give you what you ask. He's a good Father. And I think, I think sometimes we think that God's some meanie pants and we're some good pants. He desires to give you what you ask, but there's times in which He knows that's not what's best for you. That's not what you need in that season. And so because He's a good Father, because He knows what's best for you, He says no or not right now. It's not because He doesn't love you. It's not because He stopped caring for you. It's because He's a good Father. So Jesus says, listen, if your fathers on earth can give you ice cream, even though you haven't had your fruit or vegetables today, that's a good rule, by the way, Judah Jesse. It's a good rule. I need the church to say amen. Come on. We need help. This is why we have the church, right? Just another reason. We need other voices that will pour in and say, yes, you should eat your fruits and vegetables. I know some of you, you're back door parking lot. Judah, just keep eating ice cream, bro. I know you guys. I know you guys. Listen, but nonetheless, right? Jesus says to us, listen, your father knows how to give good gifts. So maybe just launch out here in leaving this, this text. I don't know about you, but Part of the difficulty with this narrow and wide road is I have people that I love that I desperately want to come the narrow way. I desperately. Like, I mean, it just it's the cry of my heart. I want them to come walk the narrow way. If you were with us in Sunday school several years ago, uh, we, were, we were doing a study on parenting, and I think it was like ready to launch, and, and J.D. Greer and his wife were leading it. And he used the example of a piece of steel. And he said, listen, I imagine that I throw this little image of, of steel up there on the screen. He says that often this happens, right? Whether it's parenting or it's maybe it's a roommate, maybe it's a college friend, right? Maybe it's just a buddy, somebody you love and care about, a patient in your room, a student in your classroom. You desperately want them. Come to the narrow way. Come, leave that way of life. And so the temptation is, is to take that piece of steel and begin bending, 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 bending. At some point, you may break the wheel of that child. I mean, just crush them with discipline or whatever it is. Others of them, right, you bend, 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 bend as hard as you can. You rule, you rule, you rule, you rule, this rule, that rule. And at some point, they grow up and they get away. And when you let go, it's boing, that piece of steel snaps back. I think what we're longing for today is, is by the power of the Spirit is to compel them to come to the narrow way. And so I want to maybe just throw three things at you that you might consider. First, you've got to walk the narrow way, beloved. You gotta walk the narrow way. You, you, you gotta set your course day after day to walk this narrow path that leads unto life and holiness. By dying to yourself, by putting others first, by surrendering your life. So you first, you've got to walk the narrow way. Secondly, listen, you've got to help them recognize the counterfeit, right? Beware of the false prophet. I mean, and, and how do you do that? I don't know any better way than to put the word of God before them in your household day after day. I don't know any better way than maybe to call some college roommates, those that you come as you look back to the fall, Lord willing, right? That you begin to study the word with them. I don't know, maybe it's a coworker that you're desperately wanting. Maybe just say, hey, listen, would you come in maybe 15 minutes early each day or, or whatever? Maybe we can meet 15 minutes after work. I'd love just to begin slowly walking through the gospel of John with you. Helping them recognize the counterfeit. Why? Because you love them. You're, just, you're trying to show them God's truth through the word. Third and last, you've got to pray for them. Ian Bounds wrote, I think it's like nine books on prayer, all right? Nine books on prayer. And he said this statement, and it just, it's really stuck with me. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, so I may not get it exactly right. But he says, 
He says that we can never just talk to someone about God without also talking to God about them. Listen to it again. He said that we can never just talk with someone about God without also at the same time talking to God about them. Right? You're sharing the gospel with them, but he unbounds is saying we must also be in prayer for them. Beloved, you are praying alongside your witnessing, you're sharing, you're living, you're asking the Father, Lord, please, please, God, fill them with the Spirit. Please, God, help them love their enemies. God, please help them forgive. God, please keep them strong in the narrow road. Please, God, help them resist temptation. Lord, please, Lord, as you're praying for your own soul, God, don't let me give or, or pray or fast for a show, right? I mean, God, you're just praying through Matthew 5 and 7. It's the power of the Spirit. It's the good news of the gospel, guys. The narrow way? It's not what? It's not easy, but what? It's worth it. Today I invite you to come to the narrow way. I'm not the narrow way. I'm just a sign pointing to the narrow way today. The narrow way is, according to Acts 4 and 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to all people by which they must be saved. There's only one name that saves. Why? Because there's only one name that satisfies. And His name is King Jesus. And I want you to know today that there is rescue and hope. There is forgiveness. There is freedom from your shame. There is rescue from your lust. There is deliverance from the hatred in your heart. There is freedom today. There is hope today. And it comes only in the precious name of Jesus Christ. That's the only name that will save. Ray Acre believes it. Tara Gufton believes it. Do you? Enter, beloved, by the narrow gate. For wide and easy is the road that leads to destruction. And I pray many of you are not on it. But the narrow way, it is hard, but it leads to life. Only a few will find it. The narrow way, beloved. Enter by the narrow gate. I pray you will. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would change us from the inside out, that we would no longer, just change our hearts, God, that we would no longer long for the wide road, but we would long for the narrow road. Please, God, strengthen us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.